I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. (laughs) That wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 11. I didn't see it coming. The other great thing a catheter does very well, in my experience anyway, is leak. And leak all the flipping time. We are men. We fix things. We like fixing things. We have to fix things. I screwed my technicals head on. Cue the music. The exact problem to solve was the fact that the leakages ran down the top half of the tube and only saturated where the tube touched something. That something would either be the left-hand corner of my underwear or my thigh where the tube exits the underwear. Therefore, a pad lying flat in my underwear would never normally come into contact with the tube except on the extreme left-hand corner. So apart from 90% of the pad never being used, my leg, underwear or trouser would always get wet. Eureka. Scissors, sellotape, sanitary pads, duct tape, double-sided tape. Let's lay them all out on the bed. Something is going to happen today and it's exciting. Let's go. Over the next five days, I engineered and test drove the following prototypes. Number one, pad horizontally wrapped around tube not comfortable and prone to slippage. Number two, pad vertically wrapped around the tube, additional tape on tube, not comfortable and will eventually slip. Number three, pad vertically wrapped around the tube into a conical shape, prone to slippage. Number four and number five, variations of number three with different tape in different positions. Number six, pad horizontally wrapped around tube into conical shape. More comfortable. A smaller amount of duct tape required, but still prone to slippage. Number seven, pad horizontally wrapped around tube into conical shape. Trim to size. Smaller amount of duct tape, but prone to slippage. Number eight, pad horizontally wrapped around the tube into conical shape, trimmed to size, additional duct tape to body of catheter. Mm. However, it was uncomfortable. Number nine, pad made into horizontal sandwich, sticky side to non-sticky side. Mm. Smart. This is two pads around the tube, duct tape the pad edges, durable, but bulky and it slips. Number 10, pad made into vertical sandwich, sticky side to non-sticky side of two pads around the tube. 
generous duct tape into pad edges and additional tape to the body of the catheter. By Jove, that was it. I cracked it on number 10. I absolutely cracked it. It ticked all the boxes. Not only did it keep me dry and was comfortable, it stayed in place the entire time. The maiden flight was a complete success. Due to the eating restrictions I had, I couldn't break out the bubbly, but I could manage a toast with strawberry flavoured water. That was as wild as it got. I was grinning from ear to ear. My mum had seen me return from my journey and she asked why I was so happy. I nearly took the bait and told her I would have a whole load of explaining to do and then the minute I was out of earshot, she would be grasping me up to my sister and then I'd have to explain it all over again. I now had the freedom to roam without worry. There were mountains to climb, undiscovered tribes to bring to Christianity, new frontiers awaiting discovery, an important paper to write for the British Medical Journal. No, this was Lancet material. I was completely mobile. I floated upstairs to change it over and to create a blueprint. I could end up with letters after my name or even letters before my name. Duct tape, that king daddy of tapes, is a curious thing. Some things it will stick to superbly, while others, like long carpet or something with lots of hairs on, it's just crap. Unfortunately, catheter parts and feminine towels are firmly in the upper stick category. And the only thing duct tape liked more to stick to was flesh. The more sensitive the flesh, the better. 45 minutes later, Forty-five, forty-five minutes later, and I'd only removed about half of the duct tape from the wretched contraption. No, the monster I had created. Men, you might want to close your ears to the rest of this. Every movement either tugged or shafted the king. Every movement... Every movement either tugged on or shafted the king. <clears throat> Every movement either tugged on or shafted. Chaffed. Every movement, every movement. Every movement either tugged or chaffed the king. I sighed, gasped, closed my eyes tightly, bit my hand, 
bit my lip, wiped tears from my eyes. I cursed, I prayed, I promised. I laughed like a madman, I swore like a sailor. I inhaled deeply, I exhaled loudly. I even made up a few new swear words. I went for all the emotions you could think of while trying to remove this perverse and wretched duct tape. I actually took a 10 minute break at the 45 minute mark. Physically and mentally exhausted, it took another 20 minutes to be free of the last bits of demonic duct tape and the adhesive on the pads. I finally sat down on the floor, defeated, and surveyed the carnage now littering the floor. I'd given it my best shot, but I was going to walk away from this one. Defeated, but I couldn't give another sticky toss. Someone else would have to solve this one. I didn't care. I wasn't having it. I would just keep on counting down the days till I could get this thing removed. Let it leak. Finally, that day came around when we would be breaking up our uneasy partnership. They mentioned in the last seminar at Guy's Hospital that there was a slim chance that you might have to keep the catheter in for a while longer. It would mean that the new joint between your urethra and bladder had not fully healed. I, however, was having none of it. This was a bad girlfriend that you just found out collected hunting knives for a hobby and sleeps in a coffin. I was seeing the back of this thing. In my haste to leave the house, however, I had packed the cheap grey Primark sweat bottoms I had purchased as something I would only wear in the house. Of course, when we didn't have any visitors. And these were my emergency trousers. I was horrified that I could have made such a mistake. What would my public say if they saw me in these things? The emergency trousers are just in case you have an accident in the hospital and needed to change into them. I didn't know which was worse. Wetting myself on the train or having to wear these greys back home like I was a job seeker or some poor student. Hopefully, it would come to neither. Anyway, as I said, I was hugely positive today and nothing was going to spoil my joy. Today was also Amaris' graduation ceremony from primary school to secondary school. They even do one for the end of nursery. What's next? A graduation from the womb ceremony? Or how about baby's first solid dump ceremony? I'd missed my eldest, Lauren's, graduation ceremony as it was so far away and I had the catheter. So I was determined to go to this one. After about 20 minutes or so in Guy's Hospital, I was ushered into one of the small medical rooms by a nurse. She introduced herself and said she would be looking after me today. And the first thing she would be doing was removing the catheter. I couldn't contain my joy. I got my kit off faster than being given a 10 minute conjugal visit, 20 minutes into a life sentence. And I sat bottomless on the bench. This was going to be a much happier occasion than the last time I got my kit off in a room in Guy's hospital. She attached a needle to a small tap on the side of the catheter 
and drew out the water. We waited about five seconds, then there was an audible pop, which I could feel. She then told me to take a deep breath and exhale, as she was going to pull the tube out. Now, you know already, if anyone in guise tells you that something is either not going to hurt, not to worry about it, or to take a deep breath, nothing good can ever come of it. I braced myself. That foot-long oversized tubing slid out painlessly and with surprise and ease. Despite my firm belief that the king's eye would be ruined or permanently disfigured, at best, I watched the eye slowly and peacefully close back to normal. Hurrah for the king! Hurrah! She gave me a nappy, or a pad to use the technical term, to wear and instructed me to drink four cups of water within the next 15 minutes, and she would do a scan in half an hour to see how much I'd retained. I found a seat next to the water cooler and took out my newspaper and did the crossword and just drank away. When I finished the newspaper, I decided to go into the Sudoku and then finally read my book. It had been over half an hour and she hadn't come back to get me, so I decided to get another drink. I stood up and took two steps forward towards the cooler for the next round of drinks. I never reached the water cooler. As I stood, I felt the pad rapidly begin to fill. I could not stop the flow or even slow it down. When the prostate is removed, one of the two valves men have in their bodies that controls the flow of urine is also removed. The pelvic floor muscle has to be exercised to replace this function. I just stood in my tracks and wet myself uncontrollably. I was horrified. All the progress that I had made up to this point was forgotten and out the window. The success of catching this cancer early, the success of the surgery, all meant nothing, all irrelevant. When it stopped, I just sat back in my chair, absolutely defeated and deflated. I stared blankly at the wall. The pad was sodden, heavy and I needed to change it, but the shock just rooted me to the chair. Eventually, the nurse called me back in and asked me if I'd finished the water. I said I had, and added that it'd come back out again. I just sat looking blankly. She added that it was good, and she did an ultrasound examination on my bladder. She said she was happy with what she was seeing, and gave me another pad to change into. I had to drink some more water, and she would call me back in again in a little while. I did not understand why she was happy but I was completely on autopilot and I just didn't care. I quietly sat down and drank some more water as instructed and felt it pretty much come right back out in a short space of time afterwards. My phone had vibrated a number of times but I just wasn't interested. When she did call me back in, she could see it was a much more forlorn version of the upbeat and happy person she had first seen and spoken to. She tested me again and actually said she was happy with my progress and I would be going home soon. I sat confused and upset. I thought that I had utterly failed. She stopped and rubbed my shoulder and said, 
that it would take time, but it would be fine. I wasn't the first or the last man she saw utterly defeated like this. It was nothing personal, but I just didn't believe her. I don't know what it was I was expecting of today, but it wasn't this. Eventually, she packed me off with two packs of pads and told me that a delivery of pads would be sent to me directly. Finally, she reassured me again that it would be alright. I made a point to stop drinking fluids early on in the afternoon, despite being told the complete opposite. I wanted to try and slow the flow during Amaris's graduation ceremony. The actual ceremony would only be an hour or so, but I didn't want to have an accident or need to get up and change the pad during the ceremony. I hid my discomfort well as I leaked throughout the ceremony, albeit at a slower rate. Amaris won one of the main awards for Best Achiever, and I cheered like a crazy person, leaking on the way up as I stood and on the way back down as I sat back down. We mingled with the other parents and teachers and stayed for drinks and nibbles afterwards. I managed to make myself a little unpopular with the other parents by hogging the single adult toilet in the school hall while I was perfecting my external changing routine. But hey. It was a good evening and it took my mind off my immediate predicament, even if only for a little while. The kids were staying over at their grandmother's, so it was just me and Annette on the 50-minute journey back to my mum's house. It all came back with a savage vengeance. Every time we hit a speed bump, no matter how slow we took it, I leaked. Coming to a stop at a traffic light, I leaked. Every time the car turned or slowed down, I leaked. Finally, as we pulled up outside my mum's and came to a halt, I leaked even more. I was exhausted, even though I had no reason to be. I felt utterly useless and pathetic. Silently, I just stared blankly out of the windscreen. About a minute later, for only the second time, since I'd been diagnosed, tears welled up and fell out of one eye and then the other. I was in as much control of them as I had been with the leaking. I just let it silently happen. A couple of minutes later, I took some deep breaths and sighed and wiped my face. Eventually, I straightened up, shook my head. This never happened. I had to move on. I walked up to my mum's door and opened it. I didn't look back as I closed the door. 